And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. What's up? And welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is Sunday, September 5th, Waiver Day, and one of the last Waiver Days of the season. We are into September. It's our first waiver run of the final month of the season. So we are counting down our final few waiver runs of the 2021 season. Michael Beller and Al Melky are here with you to dive into our, uh, like I said, one of our last few waiver runs of the season. Al, it's crazy that we've gotten to this point, right? It's a blink of an eye. And here we are, September, and talking about these last couple of waivers before the season wraps up. It's not June still? It's not. It's not. Ah. I, can, I, I can swear to that by the way the weather's been changing already. <laughs> That's true. That should be my first hint here in, uh, in Western Mass. But yeah, season's gone by in a flash for sure. Yeah, and uh, it's just been uh, something where we're still very excited about what we've got ahead of us. And uh, these last few moves, even though they maybe won't have the same sort of uh, season-long impact that the ones in June did. Uh, it's the ones that maybe could get you over the hump and get you a championship. So let's jump in, Al. We'll start off with starting pitchers, and let's start with Joe Ryan. Uh, got the call up to the majors earlier this week. Looked pretty well uh, in his first start against the Cubs, and put up some good numbers at the AAA level this year. A 3.41 ERA, a whip down at 0.79, 92 Ks in 66 innings. He gets Cleveland next week in his next start, but I feel as though he's probably someone who you want regardless of who the start's coming up against. That's pretty much true. I have a hard time thinking of who I wouldn't feel okay starting Ryan against. Maybe not in Coors Field, uh, you know, maybe not, uh, you know, against the Astros perhaps. But uh, yeah, and the Cleveland team has hit really, really well for the past month. So this is a, definitely a, a big step up in terms of degree of difficulty. But the thing with, the, you know, having the first start against the Cubs, that's a team that a lot of pitchers are doing well against right now. Uh, so... What I do is I go to the um, plate discipline uh, tab on on his Fangraphs page and look there because you get the more granular stats. And in every category, Ryan absolutely dominated the Cubs, got whiffs, got chases, didn't allow contact on end zone pitches, everything you want to see. He did it really, really well. So I absolutely do trust him in this upcoming start. Yeah, I think uh, I think you should. And again, like you said, like really just. Going to be trusting him probably the rest of the way. Don't know the uh, schedule off the top of my head, but have to imagine that there's going to be way more startable starts than unstartable starts for Joe Ryan the remainder of the season. And we'll talk about how he shapes up with the remainder of the starting pitchers, but have to imagine he's going to be at the top of the list. If not that, maybe your second guy who you're chasing this week. Maybe Jackson Kowar is the first guy you go after this week. We've seen this happen with Daniel Lynch. Earlier this season, now we're seeing it happen with Kowar, where he gets the call, struggles, goes back down, gets the call again, and performs better the second time around. Kowar was recalled earlier this week when rosters expanded and looked very good in that first start uh, since getting back into the major league rotation. Gave up his two earned runs 
against Cleveland, went six innings, struck out six. He gets a nice matchup next week against Baltimore, but I think he falls into that same group of Joe Ryan where you like the good matchup, but you don't necessarily need it to want to be going after him. Yeah, I have a little bit more trust in Ryan, and maybe this is kind of nitpicking, but I do worry about walks with Coar. And again, if you kind of go through the same exercise with Coar that I did with Ryan, and you look at the more granular stats, uh, not he didn't do a great job in that first start uh, in terms of getting chases, and that's something that could you know cause him to mm-hmm. fall behind, uh, maybe have a short outing, you know, maybe clog up the bases. So again, it's a, it's a small kind of granular difference, but. Uh, at Baltimore is definitely not as good of a matchup as facing the Orioles on the road. So I'm, I'm a little bit more borderline on this one. I could see definitely pursuing Coar in fab this week. I wouldn't necessarily want to start him if I didn't have to. Okay. Okay. I think that's a fair point to be at with Coar, And, you know, we'll see how he handles this Baltimore matchup and uh, someone who we're definitely going to be interested in in 2022. Bailey Ober uh, has been really good. We seem to talk about him every time he takes the mound on Fantasy Baseball in 15 as a streamer. And then we talk about him the next day. And I always say to you, Al, is he more than a streamer? Because he has gone out that previous night and thrown the ball well. And what it's translated to over the last month or so, his last four starts, a 1.61 ERA and a .99 whip in 22 and one-thirds innings. He has a a decent week coming up next week. He gets that Cleveland team that we talked about. That can be a tough team to go up against. As you've pointed out a couple of times, Al, they have been swinging the bats a whole lot better over the last month or so than they were earlier in the season. And then he gets a softer matchup over the weekend at home against Kansas City. But again, I think... As many times as we've talked about it, I think it's just worth saying that Ober has, I think, for the most part, graduated out of that streamer-only category and is someone who deserves to be rostered in most leagues. Yeah, and I think the key there is most leagues. Uh, He's not automatic for me in a 12-teamer, even with this two-start week. That said, I'm also not ruling him out entirely. It's just a a situation where if you already have Ober or if you do pick him up, that I think you you have to weigh your options there. It's just not automatic, unless it's a situation. Everything's different now, right, Michael? I mean, you got to look at you know categories and where you stand. You got to look at in points leagues. You know how much you have to catch up. I mean, if you just really need that extra start, this is not a a bad couple of matchups at all. Um, You know, all things being considered, Uh, that Royals matchup certainly makes it much more palatable. So in that situation. Situation, I'd probably go with him, but I'm looking at my options in 12 teamers. But yeah, pretty much everywhere that's deeper, I do think Ober is must start this week. I'm looking forward already, Al, to the two times that we get to talk about him on Fantasy Baseball in 15. <laughs> assuming that, it's coming. Assuming that I've got uh, I've got both of the Ober episodes, because we know that it's coming. He's going to be on that stream radar where he has lived all season. And he's going he's gonna to be a really interesting guy, I think, to uh, put a valuation on in 2022 with the season that we've seen from him this year. He's going to be someone who gets drafted, I think, in, in most leagues. Antonio Sensatella, the next guy that I want to get to here, he's also been good of late. No, you're not going to get a ton of strikeouts, but he's been... A managing contact very well and to the degree of a 1.35 ERA and a .85 whip over 20 innings in his last three starts. It's a one-start week for him coming up this week. It's not the easiest of matchups. It is against San Francisco, and it's at home. So there's some check marks against Senzatella. Does that outweigh the recent performance that you've seen from him, Al? For me, it probably does. Uh, and I put an asterisk next to that because... It, it's a rough week to stream pitchers. It really is. So if you can't get over or you can't find a way to get uh, you know another start into your lineup, and I understand it is a one-start week for Sensatella, but if you're looking at the back of your rotation and you're just looking for some sort of upgrade, Sensatella just might be that mm-hmm. uh, for your rotation. 
But um, it would have to be a pretty specific circumstance like that. And maybe that, you know, maybe I'm at fault here because we talked about this on Fantasy in 15, where we talk about Sensatal a lot. And it's always in retrospect, like, oh, he would have been really good to stream <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> uh, so he has been sneaky good. Uh, but this matchup does worry me a bit. So uh, I would put him in the same category as Ober. Depends on your needs, depends on your options, uh, but certainly not somebody I would be ruling out. Yeah, very good point about this not being the greatest week to stream pitchers. Uh, we will see that when we get to our two-start pitchers this week. They're just there just aren't a lot of options. There's a lot of good pitchers making two starts this week, but you know it's guys like Brandon Woodruff, for example, uh, who are already widely widely rostered. There just aren't a ton of guys you can pick up and feel good about in their one or two starts this coming week. So it is going to be one where maybe you take a chance that you wouldn't necessarily take on a pitcher, and that's where Antonio Sensatella could uh, fall with. With that one home start against San Francisco. Ronaldo Lopez, the next guy that we're uh, going uh, to talk about here, and he's been an important guy for the White Sox this season. Hasn't really translated exactly into fantasy value what he's done for them in the real world, but he could stick in the rotation, right? He's been uh, in the rotation in place of Lance Lynn. Now Lucas Giolito goes to the IL. Seems like Lynn is on his way back, but with Giolito going to miss at least one start, could see Ronaldo Lopez get another turn or two before that White Sox rotation is back to full health and something that I talk about a lot. They're running away with that AL Central. Maybe they give Giolito an extra turn through the rotation on the IL that they wouldn't give if they were in a pennant race. But no worries for the White Sox there, so they can soft-pedal it with uh, with Lucas Giolito, and Ronaldo Lopez would be the guy who would benefit in the fantasy world. Is it enough of a benefit, Al, that you would want to be going after him this weekend? Lopez, for me, is uh, a deep league option. I, I don't see the need to add him in 12-teamers. Uh, and as far as this week goes, there's also just a lot of uncertainty. It's not clear where Lopez would slot in, uh, given that the White Sox have a day off on Monday, so they could just go, you know, one, two, three, four, and that would... Um, you know, when the fifth uh, start comes around on Saturday, they're facing the Red Sox. That's that's a tough matchup. Mm-hmm. So uh, kind of a situation here, like I've talked about with some of the others, where I wouldn't mind picking him up in, in deeper leagues. I'm not sure that I would start Lopez uh, outside of, I'd say, 15 teams and deeper. All right, Al, so let's look at these guys. It sounds to me like Joe Ryan is your primary target this week. How would you rank the rest of them if you're sizing them up against one another? Well, definitely Ober after Ryan, and then I think I'm going Coar uh, Sensatella and then Lopez. Not a ton of interest, it seems like. It's more situational interest in those three for you guys, uh, whereas Ryan and Ober maybe a little bit more widespread universal interest. And so that's what we're looking at at starting pitchers this weekend. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's talk about some two-start guys here, Al. Um, Justin Steele is the first one who I want to discuss here. He's going to get the Reds and the Giants this week for the Cubs. The Cubs spend the entire week at home, so uh, you know that's maybe a little bit better than having to go to the band box in Cincinnati. Um, you know, Steele's been pretty good with what the Cubs have asked him to do. Um, you're not going to get a ton of deep outings out of Justin Steele, but he can miss some bats. The skills seem good. The Cubs seem to be auditioning him for a potential role in the rotation next year, and you would certainly think that at the worst he's some sort of important reliever for the Cubs in 2022. How does this two-step look to you? The matchups just really worry me in this case. I don't, for me, anyway, Steele has not graduated to the point where uh, I, I feel like I can trust him against tougher teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did mention that he doesn't necessarily go deep with the two-start week. That's not really as much of a concern, but just there's really a pretty low floor here with these two starts. So it's obviously very situational. I could probably say that with every player we're going to talk about, but uh, this is really a true Hail Mary situation for me. All right, and I think this next one probably is to maybe you trust the skills of Miles Michaelis a little bit more than Justin Steele. He's got a, a track record, obviously, that we can at least lean on and know something of what to expect, but a really brutal week for him and for the Cardinals, for that matter. They uh, are home the whole week, so that's nice. They don't have to travel, uh, but first they welcome the Dodgers, and then they welcome the Reds, and so that's two really, really tough matchups for Michaelis. Is this an easy stay away for you, or could you make an argument that this is worth dipping into? I would actually rather have Steele, to be honest, because I feel like while there's a very low floor, there's also more upside there. So if you are going for a two-star pitcher that has some risk, I think that that risk is more worth taking with Steele. So yeah, I'm staying away from Michaelis. And like I said, tough week for the Cardinals, whether it's in the rotation or for the hitters. Yeah. Uh, you know, I could see benching somebody like like Dylan Carlson this week because of that uh, gauntlet of starters they're going to have to face. Maybe a little preview of uh, something you and DVR are going to be talking about on tomorrow morning's Fantasy Baseball in 15 as you get ready be. to plan out your week. We said it. There's just It's just not a good week to be streaming two-star pitchers. Off the top of my head, I would say this is one of the maybe three thinnest two-star pitch streamer weeks. This last one feels kind of decent. Steven Matz is going to get the Yankees to start the week. That is very tough. Then he's going to get the Orioles in Baltimore. As you said a little earlier, you like the Orioles out of Baltimore a little better than in Baltimore, but it's not the worst matchup in the world to go to Camden and face that uh, team. And Matz has been good recently. Over his last six, a 1.65 ERA. The ERA estimators might not be there with that 1.65, but <laughs> you can't complain with the bottom line results. Can you get on board with Steven Matz as a two-star pitcher this week? Relatively speaking, I could. If I have to start one of these three or if I'm in a situation where uh, it, you know, it's, it seems worth taking the risk, the mats is the one that I'm going to prefer here. Um, and maybe there's something to that, uh, that low ERA and the home run prevention that's really been key to that. But yeah, the ERA estimators have him with an ERA that's about three runs higher than that, which is really, you know, with a, even a two-start week, that's just a, a little bit too much risk than I'd prefer to take. Yeah, that's going to do it. I mean, and just so you know that we're not being lazy. I mean, if you look at the two start weeks that you just run down the list and who's going to likely get him, Matt Harvey, no. Max Freed, rostered. Chris Sale, 
rostered. Sonny Gray, rostered. Uh, Lance McCullers, rostered. Chris Bubich, no. Jaime Berea, no. Max Scherzer, rostered. Brandon Woodruff, rostered. Jamison Tyone, rostered. I mean, it's just they're, they're not out there. They just aren't out there this week the way that we are used to seeing at least a handful of better options than guys like Justin Steele with two tough matchups or Miles Michaelis with two tough matchups. It's just not a good week to be looking for two start pitchers. It is, however... One of the better weeks we've seen in recent weeks for looking for relievers. We actually have some legitimate closers to go after this week. The first is Giovanni Gallegos. And Giovanni Gallegos, I've made this case a few times, Al. He's the poster child this season of why you should be using saves plus holds. Because Giovanni Gallegos has been a great reliever, a very effective reliever for the Cardinals this season. But in a lot of leagues, he's been just of no use because he wasn't getting saves in St. Louis with the way Alex Reyes was pitching. Now he is getting saves, and suddenly he's got a ton of value in the fantasy world. I mean, how aggressively do you go after Gallegos this weekend? I think pretty aggressively because it feels like it's been a while since we've had a new closer come on the scene who, has first of all, has great skills, and it looks like an opportunity to get uh, quite a few chances uh, for saves over the last few weeks here. So, um Whatever you got in that account, <laughs> uh, probably worth uh, spending a lot of it on Gallegos. I mean, he's just been, he's been truly excellent. And one of the main reasons I know he's been excellent is that I do have a saves holds league where I got him, <clears throat> excuse me, where I uh, rostered him for a dollar. Uh, and he's just been one of my rocks in the ro- in the bullpen all season long. And now he's getting a chance to be universally appealed with that closers role in St. Louis. So uh, someone who you're definitely going to want to take a big look at. Could it be, even with three weeks left, Al, could this be an empty the fab situation to get him on your team? I think it could, yeah, because I think at this point, September 1 has passed. I don't think we're going to see any big uh, prospect call-ups that you need to get really excited about. Uh, and also, I'm finding in my leagues, I'm sure this is not you know unique to my leagues, that a lot of people have run out of money. So, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe save a dollar or two for somebody that you really need to get, but I, I don't think you need to, to hold back at this point. Adam Adovino, another guy who we could be talking about as a closer for the remainder of the season, perhaps, because he's closing right now for Boston with Matt Barnes on the COVID list. But as we've talked about a few times, even before he went on the COVID list, he was not pitching well, Al. He seemed to have his job in jeopardy even before that happened. And Adovino has pitched very well in the closer's role for Boston. So it might be a short-term thing. But it could be a remainder of the season thing also. I think Adovino is comfortably behind Gallegos, but still someone who you should be going after if your save's needy. Yeah, I agree. And all the things I said about Gallegos apply here in terms of uh, not holding back. So for me, it's it's going to be Gallegos and then uh, a contingency bid for, for Adovino for maybe just slightly less than I'd be willing to spend on Gallegos. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just a, a wild time where we get these, not only guys who are like stepping into clear 100% or very near 100% closer shares in September, but guys with the skills that Gallegos and Adovino have as well, right? I mean, those are those are guys who in a previous era of bullpen usage would have started the season as obvious closers and guys who we would be talking about as you know, top 10 or something at the position. And now here we are finding them just transitioning into closers roles in September. Don't get this opportunity very often. You are definitely going to want to take advantage, even if you don't feel like you're necessarily 
necessarily saves needy. These are two guys who are great pitchers, who play for good to great teams, and definitely could have a lot of save opportunities the remainder of the season. And just so we clear things up, St. Louis is the good team, Boston is the great team. When we're talking about that, uh, Carlos Estevez, the other guy who's on the list here, uh, Daniel Bard, removed from the closers role. Probably not going to be a situation in Colorado like we find in St. Louis or Boston where it is a clean passing of the torch to one guy. But Estevez, most likely to be the guy who gets the bulk of the save opportunities. How attractive is that to you, knowing that there's going to be other guys mixing in and this Colorado team is probably not going to win very many games the rest of the way? Yeah, and I don't necessarily hold that against whoever's closing out games for the Rockies because also that could be some close games uh, right. as well. Uh, so maybe where there is an opportunity to win <laughs> that uh, you'll see a lot of closing situations. So, um, you know, that said, Estevez, I do think that he is, is he's the guy, uh, maybe not the sole guy in Colorado, but certainly the one that is most worth targeting. And um, the skills obviously don't match up to those of Gallegos or Adovino. So he would be like a third contingency bid for me, kind of a, a consolation prize, but uh, most of us need saves <laughs> and, uh, Steva should get at least a few uh, between now and the end of the season. And don't expect very often to have a, a first Sunday in September where the uh, the closer options significantly outweigh the starter options, but that's exactly what we have this week. So good news for anyone who is shopping for saves, which as you said, out is a lot of people in a lot of leagues. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Apply. All right, let's move on over to the hitter side of the equation now, Al, and it's uh, not a bad week, I guess, uh, for September 5th. It's not the greatest week, but it's a fine week, and we'll start with Kiber Ruiz, who uh, should be playing mostly every day down the stretch in Washington. This guy has done everything that you need to see from a catcher at the AAA level. Really, he's done everything you need to see from anyone at the AAA level, but the fact that he's a catcher just puts it over the top. He hit 310, 377, 616 with 21 homers in 316 plate appearances split between Washington and the Dodgers AAA affiliates, and now up with the Nationals for good for the rest of the season. What do you do with Bear Ruiz as you're making your bids later today? Well, if you're not spending it all on saves, then you're spending it all on Ruiz <laughs> because uh, this is somebody that pretty much almost everybody could use. Uh, one catcher leagues, obviously anything that's deeper. Uh, he, he's a real uh, potential impact player down the stretch. Like you said, the playing time is going to be there. You figure probably about four starts a week every week. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure what else there is to say. I can't imagine a format where it wouldn't be worth spending a considerable amount of what you have left on Ruiz. One catcher leaks. Is he still that uh, attractive? 
I think so, because I, I mean, obviously, if you've got, you know, Perez or Real Muto or, you know, Will Smith, somebody of that ilk, mm-hmm. then you don't need Ruiz. Uh, but you know, there's always going to be somebody in a 10 or 12 catcher league that could use an upgrade. So even, you know, with one catcher. Yeah, and, and multiple people. So they're going to be bidding against one another. And Ruiz is one of those guys who, right, if you're, if you're replacing your catcher, you are going to be making a big jump or at least a big expected jump from that guy to Ruiz. So this uh, guy who really could be an impact sort of player where even if just to go back to, you know, Bailey Ober, who we like, like if you have Bailey Ober for the rest of the season, the gap between your worst pitcher and Ober is certainly going to be smaller than the gap between your underperforming catcher and key bear Ruiz. So that gap is something that you're going to want to consider as you are weighing Ruiz, not just against hitters, but really against the entire player pool that you're picking from uh, later today. Bobby Dahlbeck is someone who we've talked about a handful of times. He's gotten hot once again, four homers in his last seven games. He's playing mostly every day. Kyle Schwarber's had a couple of starts at first base. Travis Shaw's mixing in there as well. So he's not getting to play every day, but I feel as though, Al, he's getting enough playing time with the streak that he's on right now to want to chase his power for the time being. Oh, absolutely. I think he's really played his way both in terms of the hitting streak that he's on and and also in terms of the playing time into consideration in 12 teamers. And that's something that even a couple of weeks ago would have seen pretty much unattainable. So I think that Dahlbeck is uh, a good hot hand play right now. Yeah, definitely a good hot hand play right now. And that's really what we're looking at on the hitter side of the equation today. Josh Harrison falls into that as well. He's been a godsend for this Oakland offense. Uh, He's really been great for them since coming over from Washington at the trade deadline. He's had 97 trips to the plate with the A's hitting 300, 351, 433 with two homers and four steals in that time. And then the cherry on top here, Al, led off the last six games for Oakland. So he's playing basically every day. He's leading off. He's giving you a little bit of power. He's giving you a little bit of speed. He's getting on base a ton. He's scoring runs. I mean, he's checking every single box for a hot hand play you look for to get you through the remainder of the season. Yeah, I, he's got all that going for him. And on top of that, as of as of now, um, and I think that this could hold up, that um, there's four left-handed starters that are uh, on the schedule for the A's this week. And Harrison has hit, hit lefties really well this season. And uh, if I recall, I think he's, that's that's been a, a long-standing trend for Harrison. So everything is just really lining up for him this week. Off the top of my head, I feel like if, if I'm making bids on all of these hitters that we're talking about, those three, Ruiz, Dahlbeck, and Harrison, probably the top three hitters regardless of position. If position weren't a consideration for you, Al, if you just take position out and just evaluated those three players in a vacuum with what they offer, how are you ranking them? How are you prioritizing them as you go into your bids? Mm. Boy, oh boy. Um, I'd say probably, actually, I'd probably... Harrison first, um, unless I'm just more concerned about, uh, you know, whole rest of season. But I just I love this weekly schedule for Harrison. So I think I would go uh, Harrison Ruiz Dahlbeck. All right. There we go. Another good mark for Josh Harrison. Austin Hayes, someone you and I talked about on the Fantasy Baseball in 15 Friday episode when we looked ahead to who we could be considering over the weekend. And 48 hours later, Austin Hayes has held up 12 for his last 29, a homer, six RBI, six walks against five Ks in that time. He started six of the last seven games as well. So the playing time is there. How do you look at Austin Hayes as you're filling out your bid sheet later today? 
Well, I'm actually looking right now to see if the Orioles lineup is out, and it is not. And this is critical because the last five games uh, against the Orioles, it's been five in a row with left-handed starters. So you figure that at minimum, Hayes is going to be on that short side of the platoon, although in the past week, it's been the the big side. Uh, So I'm really interested to see if he's going to start against Corey Kluber today. As much as I hate to base bidding on a single thing, you Mm -hmm. know, in a single game, uh, if he doesn't start against Kluber, I think that that really doesn't bode very well for Hayes' playing time next week. There's going to be uh, four righties on the schedule out of eight games. And it is an eight-game week, so that helps. But uh, Hayes potentially is limited to four starts next week. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, as of right this second, uh, the Orioles lineup is not out. Yeah, definitely could be a, a check against him if he's getting four starts. And, you know, we're talking about a guy who's swung the bat well recently, but still obviously a limited player, nowhere near the group that we have already talked about. That's definitely something that can maybe push you from, you know, bidding on Hayes to not bidding on him or from, you know, going after him to making him a contingency only sort of player. So definitely keep an eye on that Orioles lineup. If he is not in that lineup against Kluber, gives you a good indication of the sorts of players that Brandon Hyde is going to start him against. Nick Solak has been swinging the bat well since getting a recalled from the minors. He started every game since that recall has gone 17 for 43 with two homers in that time. It's 11 games. He's had at least one hit. So he's on an 11 game hitting streak. As well, where does he factor into this picture for you, Al? Pretty high, pretty high. Uh, I mean, certainly not on the level of Ruiz or Harrison or the closers that we mentioned. But, uh, you know, if you can sneak Solak uh, in there for a buck or two, uh, that's a nice pickup right now because uh, and and maybe you would be able to because uh, he certainly had a disappointing uh, earlier portion of the season. But I think what you're seeing now could be. uh, a validation of sorts of the kinds of expectations a lot of, of us had for Solak, uh, certainly based on the, the minor league numbers that he put up. Yeah, he's a guy who's come back and played well. And Nico Goodrum, another guy who has come back, hasn't really had much of a chance to play well, just three games since he's been activated from the IL and hasn't done much in those games. But, you know, we know what Nico Goodrum is. He's going to hit for a little bit of power. He's going to steal some bases and he's going to play probably basically every day down this stretch. So does that power speed combo intrigue you as you are making your bids? Well, he might be the best player who's available in deeper leagues, like a 15 team league who offers that potential. So uh, I'm certainly interested in picking him up there, but I really am a little bit wary of the playing time. I mean, Gudrum is somebody who could still help playing, you know, maybe three, four games a Mm -hmm. week, you know, pick up a steal here, a home run there. But um, that's pretty much for me where the appeal is limited to. Just those uh, deeper 15 team mix. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're looking at with Nico Goodrum. How about Phil Gosselin? I mean, you know, we're looking for guys who are playing, right? And he's playing. He's playing. He's starting basically every day. He's playing every day over at third for the Angels. And he's hitting third. He's sitting in the middle of this lineup, which, you know, something we always get uh, invested in. He gets on base. He's getting on base a decent amount. But I don't know, Al. He's not really doing a whole lot else. And I'm not sure the playing time is enough for me to really want to get on board in any sort of meaningful way with him. Yeah, now I have been starting him in two pretty deep leagues. He's been a fixture for me for a few weeks. He's been producing runs. So if that is a categorical need for you right now, maybe there's some appeal in 15, maybe 14 team leagues. Definitely not 12 teamers. There's really no power to speak of. Uh, But again, if you need runs and RBIs, then somebody to consider in those uh, deeper leaning formats. 
Yeah, the the playing time is definitely going to get him those opportunities. Um, that's really what you're buying here. You're buying the playing time more than you're buying the player. One more guy that we want to talk about here, another guy who we mentioned on Fantasy Baseball in 15 on Friday, it's Ramon Arias. He also is playing a ton and is getting on base a lot. And he's been doing it for a while now, Al. If you go back to July, the very start of July, he's hitting 280, 355, 409. So he's getting on base, right? And he's done that now for two straight months where he's getting on base at a very good clip, giving you a 280 batting average, giving you a 355 OBP. I think it's bettable now that he's got these on-base skills. What does he do with them? He can score some runs. He's not really going to steal a ton of bases, or at least he hasn't to this point. But I like I feel like if I'm going for a get-on-base-and-score runs and drive in some runs with singles kind of guy, I would rather have Arias than Gosselin. I would, too. That's exactly where I was going to go with this as well. And a little bit more power, too, than mm-hmm. Gosselin in a park that certainly uh, would amplify whatever power that Arias has. So, um, yeah, I definitely favor him over Gosselin. Uh, definitely a no-brainer for me to add him in, in 14 teamers. So we separated the hitters into a couple of groups. I said Ruiz, Dahlbeck, Harrison, probably the three best guys that we're looking at. We also talked about Hayes, Solak, uh, Goodrum, Gosselin, and Arias. Sounds to me like it's Solak and Arias, and then the other guys are situational-based for you. Is that right? That is a very good summary of how I feel about them. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> These, these listening skills, man, they are coming <laughs> coming in very handy uh, on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. And that's actually going to wrap things up for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. Please do all that fun stuff. And yeah, subscribe because the season might be coming to an end. But the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast isn't coming to an end. We stick with you all uh, off-season long as well. And the off-season, as we know, it's very short before we're turning things around and thinking about 2022 in a significant way. So, yes, definitely subscribe and be ready for everything that we've got coming your way the rest of this year and into next season. Good luck with all of your bits as you start placing them later today. The Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast returns on Tuesday with Under the Radar. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.